I will be reading verses 1 to 23. Uh, Verses 1 to 14 will constitute my sermon text for this morning, however. Let us now hear God's word. Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Alasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, Thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who dwell in this city, your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I am sending on them sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them like vile figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with sword, famine, and pestilence and will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, a terror, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them, because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But you would not listen, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel concerning Ahab, the son of Koliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. 
Because of them, this curse shall be used by all the exiles from Judah and Babylon. The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire, because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives, and they have spoken in my name lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. Let's follow the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the spirit of the living God is teaching us, the church of Jesus Christ. May we indeed, O Lord, hear when you speak. And may you, O Lord, give us a heart that seeks after you. And may we put feet to our faith, living lives in faith, hope, and love. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've heard this verse quite often. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Perhaps some of you have that on your wall, a picture frame in your wall with that verse on it, or maybe... Some of you boys and girls may have a post-it note with that verse on it on your mirror or on your wall in your room to remind you of God's plan for your life. There are many memorable verses of Scripture that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Psalm 23, Psalm 32, Psalm 103, John 3.16. The list can go on and on. And in God's providence, whenever we experience a certain trial in our lives, those Scripture verses pop up, don't they? They encourage, they bless us, they comfort us. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 is one of those verses that we take to memory. Despite the trials and uncertainties of life, God knows his plan for me. And I take comfort in his good and perfect plan for me. It's important, however, like all passages of Scripture, that we just don't pluck out a verse in the middle of a context a context that Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is in. And so we need to look at the, the immediate context and the broader context when we consider Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Israel and Judah were recipients. We know they were recipients of God's covenant promises. In his love, the Lord God called Israel to be his own people, his prized possession. There was nothing good about Israel. They were a small nation. God called them, blessed them, and bestowed his love upon them. He gave them promises. He gave them covenants. He rescued them from Egypt at the hand of Pharaoh. He gave them his law. He gave them the promised land. All the blessings abounded in the life of Israel. The people, however, did not obey the law of the Lord. They did not serve and worship the true God. In fact, they took on the gods of the other nations, which God warned them about. Be careful not to walk in the ways of the nations. But Israel followed and served other gods. They worshiped them, thus forsaking the Lord and provoking God to anger and wrath. Like all the prophets of God, Jeremiah was one of those prophets who called the people to repent and turn back to the Lord. In fact, he's known as the weeping prophet, the prophet who is against the world, 
all these false prophets leading the people in a lie or lies. And Jeremiah is the one crying out, repent and turn, don't listen to these false prophets. Chapter 25, rather, is an important passage of of Scripture in the book of Jeremiah and the prophecy. It's important to the context of chapter 29. Chapter 24 is important because Jeremiah received a vision from God. He received a vision of good figs and bad figs. And God interprets this vision for Jeremiah. These good figs will be the exiles in Babylon. They will be the ones who receive mercy and grace from God. Yes, they have sinned too, but they will be exiled to Babylon and they will be the good figs. On the other hand, there will be bad figs and those will be the people who remain in Jerusalem and in Judah and they will be judged by God. The good figs will be the exiles. The bad figs will be the people who remain in Jerusalem. By the grace of God, the Lord The Lord mercifully chooses this remnant to go into Babylon, thus preserving, preserving the people of God. The line of the seed of the woman who crushes the head of the serpent, thus preserving the king who will sit on David's royal throne for eternity, thus preserving the remnant of God. Because God knows his plan for his people. In chapter 24, verse 5 and following, we read these words. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole hearts. Those are the good figs. Meanwhile, meanwhile, The false prophets and shepherds arise and lead the people to believe lies. They will attempt to lead these exiles who are in Babylon to follow a lie. The Lord of hosts says, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. And so our sermon text, Jeremiah chapter 29, is really sandwiched between a false prophet called Hananiah and a false prophet called Shemaiah. And in between these two passages, you have Jeremiah, the one who stands firm as the true prophet, who writes a letter of comfort to the exiles in Babylon. There's a contest here. A contest between the true prophet Jeremiah and the false prophets. Like Elijah against the false prophets of Baal. And like the many other prophets who stood alone, Jeremiah will be one of those. He will speak the truth concerning the word of God. 
the word of the Lord. And this letter then is a letter of comfort from the prophet. But we can say truly that it is the Lord's letter of comfort. It is the Lord's letter of comfort to the exiles in Babylon, reminding them that he has not left them nor forsaken them, that he will keep his promise because he is faithful to his word. This letter of comfort includes two things. It includes exhortations and promises. Exhortations and promises. First, there's an exhortation to be fruitful and prosper. Be fruitful and prosper. He says to them, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Rather, increase. Be fruitful and multiply. The exiles will not be there for two years as the false prophet Hananiah told them. Oh, don't listen to Jeremiah. You're only going to be there for two years. Don't unpack your bags. You're not going to be there for very long. Build houses and live in them, says the Lord. Because you'll be there for a while. You will be in exile for a while. And in the meantime, build those houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat the produce. Give your children to marriage. In other words, establish yourselves in the cities of a foreign land. Increase in number until it's time for you to return. And when you return, you will be many. You will be many. You see, God, because of his unfailing love for his children, he blesses the exiles and makes them great in number, like Abraham and the Abrahamic promise. That too is being fulfilled here. Like the Israelites in Egypt who were prosperous and increased in number while they were in an exile. God increases the number of people, of his people in a foreign land. And the Lord carries out his promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He carries out his promise to to place a king on the Davidic throne, as I've mentioned. He's promised to bring forth the seed of the woman. Indeed, he preserved the line to the Christ in this act. He preserved the line that leads to the Christ, the righteous branch of which Isaiah and Jeremiah speak of, the shepherd king who will come. In the exile, though, God disciplines and punishes his people, but he does not destroy them. He knows the plans that he has for them. He also gives an exhortation to seek peace and pray. To seek peace. To seek the welfare of the city. Literally peace. The peace of the city. The welfare of the city. And to pray for the city. Because in having peace within the city you will know peace. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? 
When there's peace and welfare within a society, the people of God experience peace to live out their faith, to live out their calling to be salt and light. Paul speaks in a similar manner in 1 Timothy chapter 2 when he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Pray for the peace of the city. Oh, how important it is to seek the welfare of the city and to pray for the city. Even today, congregation, is the Christian's calling to seek the welfare and peace of the city, to pray for the respective towns and cities in which you live. Wherever Christ's people dwell in this world, we are called to pray, to be salt and light, promoting peace and reconciliation with God the Father through Christ the Son. It's argued by some that the church shouldn't be involved in this effort in society and in culture, to be involved in the politics and policies in this land. But this doesn't seem to be coinciding with the teaching of Scripture. It is for the nation's good and well-being and welfare and peace that Christians promote peace, promoting God's Word and God's law Because through the law, through the word of God, sin may be restrained and the nation may live in peace. Deuteronomy chapter 4 says this, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. God's word is sufficient to make one wise for understanding and wisdom, especially in knowing salvation in Christ. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Exiles, when you go into Babylon, into the cities that I will lead you to, be salt and light. Be a light unto the nations, even where I place you, promoting peace, and praying for them. Well, there's another exhortation, an exhortation to beware of false prophets and teachers. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, as I said, the true prophet who spoke against the sins of Judah and Jerusalem, the the sins of the false prophets. Verse 8 says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets or diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Listen 
and hear the word of God from the prophet Jeremiah who spoke the truth and what he has spoken has come to pass. The same thing that was true for Jeremiah and the prophets of old are the same, are the same things that are true for us today. False prophets and liars today who seek to lead people astray. What is the standard, friend? What is the standard by which you know truth and the will of God for your life? What standard do you possess that enables you to discern wisdom and understanding as it relates to the, to the doctrine of salvation? I hope it's the word of God, that sword of the spirit that we just got done talking about recently. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we're going to talk in a moment about the true prophet that came. Sent from the father. Jeremiah fought against the world around him and there were many false prophets speaking against him. And the Lord exhorts the people in exile not to listen to the false prophets who say it will only be two years. Or the prophets that say peace, peace. But there is no peace. The prophets who say, the false prophets who say, don't worry about it. Peace is around the corner. Kick up your feet. They proclaim no peace. They proclaim no hope. In fact, their hope that they proclaim is one that is vain or useless and leads people astray. Lies sound attractive. They do. They sound very attractive. In fact, they give the appearance of truth. And that's what the Bible warns about frequently. Yes, we want peace. We want peace. We only want to be here for two years. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds hopeful for the people who are going in exile. But that's not the truth. It's deceptive. It leads to destruction and a hopelessness when it doesn't come to pass. And found to be a lie. But by that time, the lie has already overtaken the person where the person begins to live in the lie and live in hopelessness and in unrest in soul, in their soul. Your soul, friend, must be tethered to the word of God, the word of Christ. My soul must be tethered to it. Because in the word, we have the true understanding, the true wisdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the nations. Well, the letter of comfort, we can say the Lord's letter of comfort, also includes promises, the Lord's promises to Visit the exiles. To visit the exiles. For thus says the Lord 
when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Listen, friends, when God visits people, (laughs) when God visits people, there are two things that happen. Great fear and fright because judgment is a-coming. Or, or, great blessing and salvation is coming. Either or. And God says he's going to visit his people and bring salvation. He clearly promises to visit his people in mercy, but to the Babylons, he will visit them in judgment. The king of Persia will conquer them, destroy them, and the Medes and Persian Empire will arise. And it's through the Mede and Persian Empire that the the people of God, the remnant who are in exile, will return back to the land and rebuild the temple and the city of Jerusalem. God will visit His people and bring them back. And indeed, He brings them back. But the way in in which He visits them and brings salvation is in certain periods of time, certain epochs in history. And we're going to see that in a moment. But next, the Lord God promises to restore the exiles. And this is where the passage of verse 1 comes. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Literally, the Hebrew text says, For I know the thoughts that I think of you. For I know the thoughts that I think of you. The thoughts of His eternal counsel His divine mind, His electing love and purposes for His own. He knows them. And He will unpack them before their very eyes. God will restore His people. His good and perfect plan for them includes that they will call upon Him and pray, and when He will hear them, they will seek Him and find Him when they come to Him with all their heart. He will restore their fortunes. He will gather them from the nations and bring them back home. He will be their God and they will be His people. God will bring them home. And they will be at peace with God and with one another. God visited His people then. And the people returned to the land of promise. However, there was no Messiah yet. No prophet, priest, and king. No shepherd king yet. Until the Father visited again, sending His Son in the flesh to dwell among sinners. God the Son visited in the flesh to dwell among sinners, and to restore and rescue the people of God. These can all be said, these these blessings of God, calling upon Him in prayer, and He hears us in Jesus' name. Seeking Him and finding Him with all of our hearts. The Christian does that by the power of the Spirit. The passage found in 
Jeremiah chapter 31, the new covenant promise. Well, God will put his law and spirit in our hearts so that we follow and seek after him. Christ Jesus, the shepherd, gathers us from the nations. You see, this is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous branch or the shepherd king. In Christ's ministry, it was Jesus against the world. Jesus, the true prophet of God, who brings words of comfort. He is the living letter. He is a living letter to the people of God, brought to the people of God. In his very life, in his very words. Words of comfort, words of a future and a hope that shall never perish nor fade away. Think about these things when you think about Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, all those plans that have been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all, that, all those plans that will be fulfilled in His second coming. God sent His prophet, the one who, of whom Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 18, there's a prophet to come who's greater than I. Listen to him. There's a prophet greater than Jeremiah, greater than Isaiah, greater than all the Old Testament prophets. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man. Listen to him, lest ye perish and die. Because he's coming to visit again with a sword in his mouth. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. Are you in Christ? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saved from your sins and misery? Have you been delivered? Call upon him in prayer and be saved. For only in Christ do we have a future hope. And this all comes from the divine mind and plan and thought of God. And it is a good plan, good and perfect plan. I want to conclude with a couple points of application. First of all, God knows the plans he has for his elect exiles in all the earth. Why do I say elect exiles? The Bible in the New Testament speaks of Christians being elect exiles because our citizenship is in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter addresses his audience as the elect exiles in dispersion throughout all Asia Minor. You are the elect exiles. Indeed, we are pilgrims passing through with our homeland at the heavenly Jerusalem, in the heavenly Jerusalem, at the great Mount Zion. <laughs> That's our home, friends. He's restoring us to that home. We don't need to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in this earth to come to Mount Zion. We come to Mount Zion through faith in Christ and we will see Mount Zion as it, as it descends in the new heavens and new earth. God knows the plans He has for you, Christian, to take you home there. Through Christ and by Christ we are forgiven and restored in a right relationship with the Father. 
And Jesus brings us home to the Father by the power of the Spirit. In the meantime, as elect exiles in this foreign land, we seek peace and pray for our neighbors. We love our neighbors as ourselves. We seek peace and welfare of our neighbors that they might know Christ and love Christ and follow Christ and worship Christ. That is your calling. That is my calling now, Christian. That while we are exiles, that we would seek the welfare of our neighbor so that they may see not our good deeds, but glorify God through Christ. They may see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Secondly, God disciplines his children as a father disciplines his son. We experience the discipline and hand of the Lord in our lives. And it is for our good and our well-being. It is for our welfare. It's not for evil. It's for good. So all the trials, all the afflictions, all the pains of body and soul, all the sufferings you endure, it's not from the evil hand of the Lord. No. It's from the good hand and fatherly care of God the Father. That good providence of the Lord, even amidst dark providences of life. As you exile in this world, He is disciplining us. Let us remember what we confess in Lord's Day 1. That in fact, all things work together for my salvation. Right? It worked out for the people of God of old as they persevered in faith in the coming of the Messiah. So too for us, we have faith in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all things work together for our, for our good and for the glory of God. Thirdly, and lastly, God gives his elect exiles, Christians, a future and a hope. It's a bright future and a bright, home because, bright hope because it's built on sure and certain promises that are true. And not based on a lie. God promised it. The Lord Jesus Christ promised that he is coming again and will take his own people home. He will call every one of his sheep from every corner of the world and restore them. Are you one of those sheep? If you are, you will be comforted. You are being comforted by Christ and by the Spirit, and you will be comforted in the last day when that hope becomes sight, when faith becomes a reality at the coming of Christ, when He will indeed visit us again. The letter, the prophet's letter of comfort to the exiles in Babylon it's a fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus who became a living letter of comfort and hope to his people. And so when we use the verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, we are comforted by the fact that it has already been fulfilled in Christ and will be fulfilled entirely and completely in the last day when he visits us. And we will know salvation in its fullest, when the dead in Christ are raised, and we will be with him forever in the new heavens and new earth. That is the land we look for and wait for. Amen. Let's pray.
Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the promise of your word. We thank you for the prophet Jesus Christ who teaches us the perfect will of the Father. The prophet who teaches us the way to God through himself, through his cross and resurrection and ascension, through the work, the perfect work of the prophet and priest, Jesus. We have access to you, Father. And through him we are restored in body and soul and life and in death. We have a comfort, a peace which passes all understanding. Oh, Father, help us, we pray. Help us to live our lives in this, on this side of glory. Undergoing your discipline, knowing that it is for our good and for our sanctification so that we are drawn closer to you, O oh God, and closer to your word and closer to our Savior, Jesus. May Jesus be our all in all. May we seek to walk in Him, to follow Him, to love Him, to worship Him, to seek His face. And we pray that in all things, You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be glorified and honored in the lives of Your people as we go forth into this world as exiles and yet recipients of the future home and glory with you. We pray this in Jesus' name.